All right, welcome to a brand new episode of Black Brew, the only podcast giving you a unique perspective on political and lifestyle topics from a Black queer perspective. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And we're your co-hosts. This week, Derek Chauvin was convicted on three counts of murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd, while a 16-year-old Black girl named Makaya Bryant was killed at the hand of police. So today we're having the conversation about police brutality. Later, we're getting into a lighter topic about Colton Underwood, the virgin bachelor who came out as gay and is now in the works for a Netflix show. But first, Josh. Yes. Let's get into some political tea. Shall we? Okay. So, I mean, these two situations happen literally during the same time as the verdict was being um, delivered for Derek Shalving, Makaya Bryan was being killed. Um, and oh. I mean, we're still having these conversations about what to do about the police. Um, and I mean, people seem to all in general have the same opinion about that it was justified for Derek Chauvin to go to jail because he killed um, George Floyd. But we seem to be having some difference of opinions about Micaiah Brown Bryant because she had a knife in her hand. What do you what do you make of that? So first off, if I read the story right, she had a knife in her hand because she called the police because I think there was a fight happening mm-hmm. near her. Yes. And she was trying to protect herself in that she personally had called the police to help her. And I guess in the midst of it, they saw her with a knife and saw her as a threat and shot her down. I don't know the details between like her calling and then what happened after that, but I would assume she wouldn't attack the police she called. Yeah, um, she, the video, um, I didn't see the video because I can't even watch her, but they say that she lunged at another person, not at the police, and as she was, quote, lunging at someone else with the knife, that's when the police fired on upon her. And I'm pretty certain that's against their protocol, because the protocol is to, like, according to my brother who's a cop, the protoco- protocol is to, to, to warn them to put down their weapon. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't watch the video, so, like, I don't know, maybe they did do that, and maybe, I, like, I don't know what happened in that story, because I haven't watched the video, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to watch the video, but, like, I, I don't know the explicit details of what happened. I just know that mm-hmm. she's 16 years old, and, I mean, I shared a Facebook uh, uh, thing yesterday that said, isn't it? funny that like the 16 year old girl was in a fight with someone else with a knife but like teachers have always had to break up fights sometimes with knives and they have never had to like use a gun to stop you know somebody from like hurting someone else with a knife we quite literally don't have to i mean they had a they had a taser for peace sakes like tase the bitch they ain't no to shoot her four times in the chest is beyond the definition of excessive. Mm-hmm. And it was a fucking knife. 
you could have tackled, tackled her to the ground and stopped that shit from happening. Mm-hmm. So... It all comes back down to bias and how that bias determines our reaction to a situation. And when we don't force people who work in the public to tackle their biases, then in those split-second moments, they don't really fucking care to take someone's life if they're brown. Mm -hmm. So... What what is your what do you think we should do with all of these problems? Because yesterday everyone was very relieved and um saying that this was justice or accountability because he finally got convicted of the charges of murder. Um to me that's not even enough. Like I don't even feel any sort of satisfaction. Like, I feel like, like, that was for me, like, the bare minimum. Like, that was them doing their job, convicting him of murder. Um, yeah, I feel about the same. Like, this issue, it's trying to reframe, once again, these issues as being single, solitary situations, not socially connected to any other situation. So us as a, us as a society... We don't have accountability for what's going on. But, like, it's it's happening too frequently for us to keep treating them as isolated situations and that there is something grander going on. And, yes, this trial case is the bare minimum. The bar is on the fucking floor with this one. And I'm like, no, we, we should not be satisfied with this. They did what they're supposed to. We need them to do what they need to do which is completely change how we approach crime and the justice system. Because mm-hmm. fuck this. Fuck having to be afraid of being shot by a police officer. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to feel safe, and we don't feel safe. And this is just society telling us, well, if you end up not safe, at least your family will get compensated. That's morbid. It's quite morbid. So what, do think, what do you think we should do, Josh? We got two routes moving in the same direction. Some argue complete abolition of police force. Some say reform. In whatever way, we need the police force as we know it and the law and the judicial system as we know it completely changed. New face new perspective, new operation protocols, new objectives. And the objective shouldn't be catching crime. The objective should be improving society. I think, when you have- I think that's a really important point. And I think that is the point that like, I, I, that I feel like I bump heads with people because I feel like the best way to solve this is through this quote prevention of crime and so i feel like a lot of people are saying we need to just have we need to prevent crime from happening we need to like do that and i feel like or like we need to like have a better response to crime and i think like okay well why don't we put in more um focus into our society that doesn't lead people to have to steal doesn't lead people to have to, you know, mm-hmm. um, do anything that is considered 
a, a crime. <clears throat> Quite literally, crime from a sociological standpoint is stemmed and birthed from a need and necessity that the system in which the individual or the unit is having to operate in is not allowing them to have access to when they're supposed to. That is literally what causes acts of deviances, a deviance is the human's need and pursuit to acquire what they need. Drugs, um, theft, even murder, all these things are rooted from a need that should have been met by the society but has been ignored. If we keep, it's because our judicial system believes in this black and white view of people choose to do wrong and people are evil and that individuals make individual choices and that there's nothing influencing them. Mm -hmm. And it pisses me off because I'm like, we have science that has proven that these actions are caused for a reason. Humans are, humans are people. I mean, yeah. Humans are a species of reason. We don't waste our time and energy to do something just to do it. There is something that comes with it. There is a need, there's a want, there's a desire. And all we have to do is provide what is missing in their life. Yeah. And in this case, particularly for the black community, it's we need to not have to live in poverty. We need society to not like put us down to inferiorize us, to provide us our needs and necessities so no one is having to steal. So gangs aren't having to be developed to sell drugs, to provide happiness and finances to a community. Like, it's, it's wild because we believe in preventative approaches in other areas of life, such as like with, for example, my field of study in family uh Family and human, uh, family studies and human development. We focus on prevention. We are the phase before someone should have to go to a social worker, and we put effort, finances, and funding towards that to stop families from falling apart or going into a direction that is unhealthy for them and the society around them. I don't understand why we can't expand that on a community level. I think the reason is is because people have never really thought of thinking about crime in that way and thinking of we need to um, address crime about inaccessibility to housing, about inaccessibility to education, about, you know, um, unemployment or employment, income inequality, rape culture, um, drug culture, all of these different things that like you wouldn't normally like, uh, talk about when you're talking about crime because we for some reason see crime as as like this isolated kind of thing i don't even have a word for it but it's, it's we feel like it's like an isolated incident and we don't think that there are other things that go into why someone might you know break into someone's house and steal money out of their purse or like why you know someone might rape someone um, on a college campus after getting drunk because they don't understand consent or or stuff like that. So like, I feel like we, I mean, honestly, people need to just take a, to a fucking sociology class if I'm being honest. But like, I, I feel like we only think of crime as something that's very isolated, that has no kind of other factor into it. And to it just being just like a bad person. Like this is just an evil person who made a choice and it had no no outside 
like forces like aided in that or influence or impact of that and i blame that on cop propaganda like mm-hmm. that shit that we have seen on tv media all of this stuff but we literally think that the police officer that they are inside of their whole goal is just to catch the bad person and that the bad person is just like an just just distinctively a bad person who has done bad things in their life so not at all nuanced not at all considering so many other incidents and uh influences into like that complicated situation you know i, I think my biggest frustration is because i'm a preschool teacher and are you yes yes <laughs> I am. and as the philosophy that goes with it like we cannot label kids bad or good. They're kids. They make good and bad choices. If I was to label a student bad and only approach with that framework of thought, I will never get that behavior to stop and it will only get antagonized and get worse because I'm not allowing them to have breadth and room to be human and I'm not I'm not solving the root issue to the behavior. I just see the behavior as an emanation of their internal moral character. And that's not how human behavior works. Human behavior is not directly a reflection of our moral character. And that if we want to solve the problems, we've got to look past the principle and the justice part of it all and just see this is a person making an action. Why are they making the action? And I blame a lot being that we came from, we came from Christians. I'm just going to flat out saying it. And their worldview was very black and white. This entire country was built upon Protestant ideas fueled by puritanical ideas. And those are just not rational ways of viewing the world. And that got integrated with how American culture views each other, views interaction, and then later was adapted into our justice system. Our justice system is sitting on that black and white concept, on that more archaic, puritanical, uh, like framework, and we just got to undo that. We're we're too far into advance. Can I add something? Okay, I want to add something to that since we're like getting very historical. That like, um, in addition to our justice system, that like this is why I I favor abolitionist praxis instead of like reform practices is because I feel like reform focuses on, okay, we need to, it's still very much about like, we need to have this reactionary kind of thing to crime. Whereas like, we're not focused on preventing, but we're focusing on like making sure that accountability is always there. And like, while accountability is good and like people who do bad things should be held accountable for their actions. The problem is that I don't want there to even be a possibility. I don't want, I don't want, black people to get shot even if every single time they were shot and killed that like the police officer was held accountable for their actions because black people are still dying and i don't want that to happen whereas i was like how about we instead of instead of trying to you know like have more body cams or have you know like this like training or whatever this to like stop you know implicit bias or whatever i'm thinking why don't we just go ahead and restructure society with all these things that we've already talked about, because policing is not providing housing, providing education, providing, you know, uh, food, shelter, and all of these other things in society that we obviously need um, that that will be factors into people, quote, committing crime. 
that's not what policing is. So I, that's why I, I feel like I don't like this whole reactionary accountability kind of like thing. Even if like, yes, I want police officers to be held accountable when they kill somebody. I don't even, mm-hmm. want, I don't want the situation to happen. Like I want us to be focused on preventive measures so that like a black person never even have to even, you know, like no one ever has to be held accountable for killing a black person because it doesn't happen. I agree. I agree. Like accountability needs to be there, both for criminal, both for police, whatever. But at the end of the day, none of that is actually solving the issue. Like, what is the point of police to to, to like intervene in crime? Okay, so we have intervention. That's great. But what are we doing to prevent it? And if you're not trying to prevent something, then you're wasting your energy. Yeah. And we're wasting our money and resources. And also, if we want to get technical, if if you're not preventing the police, which is rooted in white supremacy, that means you're not preventing white supremacy. You're not trying to dismantle white supremacy. So what does that say about you? It says a whole lot. It really does. I wish we had more time to talk about this. We we have to move on. Um, Yes. So, uh, yeah, abolish the police. Anyway, our next topic... um, Javon, oh, sorry, I mean Josh, will <laughs> abolish racism, Aaron. Oh my god, okay. Wait a minute, I just noticed you changed your name to Uncle Jeb. What is, what is this? <laughs> anyway, our next topic will be something that honestly just really pisses me off, but Colton Underwood... Um, that's his name, right? I'm not getting that wrong. Yeah, Colton Underwood. So. It he sounds was, about right. He was a uh, on the Bachelorette, um, and then he was the lead in the 23rd season of The Bachelor. Um, he was known as being the Virgin Bachelor because he had never had sex, and then like he ended up choosing this girl, allegedly getting, uh, married. I think for like two years, so maybe they were engaged for two years. And then like they stopped because she filed a restraining order against him, and he was like stalking her. And then in March. Um, or not March, sorry, April, he came out on Good Morning America as being gay, and now he is set to have a Netflix television show. Mm. So I want to first point out that there is some cognitive and informational dissonance here. Josh, can you explain what that means? So cognitive dissonance is where two opposing thoughts in the mind are occurring at the same time. They're both being accepted as truth, even though they oppose each other and cancel each other out. And kind of in the same way, informational dissonance kind of works in that same stream of thought that two bits of information are being accepted, even though are accepted being seen as valid and truthful, even though they kind of don't work together. And so for this case, if this man is gay, why was he stalking this woman? <laughs> mhm. People who stalk people is because they have some kind of emotional emotional attachment to them. And I don't stalk my best friends. He so he was like really harassing. He was like sending her like messages from an anonymous number and he placed a tracking device underneath her car. That sounds like something a straight man would do. But or at least a man that partakes in hetero heterosexual relationships. That does not sound like he's like that that does not sound like he's gay. 
Well, he came. But it, that kind of this whole like they said it and then they're skipping to this gay thing. It really looks like they're trying to sweep that under the rug by having him live a get quote unquote gay lifestyle to cover up all what he was doing. Maybe this is a whole hoax. That's I what's mean, been in my mind for the past the month. Time li- so the timeline, all that happened around September 2020, and he just came out in April. I mean, I maybe he's bi. I don't know. I do. Maybe, I, do I mean, not. I don't. Okay, so I'm not going to refute that he he is gay because I don't want to question someone labeling themselves. So, but I will say that I do think it is very, very weird that he was so obsessive and creepy and perverted with this girl, even though he is gay. Supposedly not into women. Um. So maybe maybe at the time he was really having inter- I don't know internalized homophobia. I don't really know. Um, I think it's funny though that literally like he did all that horrible shit right to this girl like a crime like a a fucking crime straight up crime. And now he's getting a Netflix show. But Lenas X had his music video stripped from streaming services. Yeah, didn't he get those back? Oh, did he? I'm not sure. I didn't know. But, I mean, I know he's back on Apple Music. I mean, I just know that he he has had so much backlash, and he's gay. But this guy literally put a tracking device on this girl's car, and like stalked her. And now he gets a Netflix show because he came out. Sounds about white. Sounds about white. And we, why do we need another white man's narrative? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because this country, this country likes oh, this country likes white mediocrity. Like, honestly, like, first of all, it's not even gonna be a fucking good show. I can tell you that right now. Second of all, we don't need another fucking sack. We don't need a fucking TV show about some basic ass looking white boy who is gay. And he's gonna he's gonna have a this like gay like mentor, fairy godmother, some shit like that. Also, Where was my gay mentor? Where's Linus X's? reality tv show where is his i i'm 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 tired of a white gay man being the default i'm tired of them being awarded for mediocrity they he is what is what has he done like what like what what why do we need a tv series about him he hasn't done anything special he was on the bachelor like that's it like he was on a show that perpetuated gender norms does he does he have any talent like Oh, he's a former professional football player. Okay. What what does he have to contribute to gay culture to be on such a big platform? His whiteness. Quite literally, they could have picked me and put me on that damn show. If we were on that show, Josh, that show... (laughs) It would have some damn good ratings. That show would have some bomb-ass ratings. (laughs) It'd be some on-fire episodes, Mm -hmm. like... It would be a hot ass mess. We need it would them be in. a hot ass mess. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just, it's extremely baffling. Um, it's like how you said there are two different reactions. Though I, I do think that it is valid for us to not treat the two groups and how they're reacting as monolithic because I can assure you that the people who are opposing Lou Snacks aren't the same people who are supporting supporting Colton Underwood because. Typically, people who are anti-gay are completely anti-gay. Um, but the fact that the media 
has allowed him, like instead of little Nos, little Nos X's uh, fan base and supporters being featured in media, news articles, blah, 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 blah. They focused on his haters and on the bigots. But with Colton Underwood, they had purely just the people who were praising and supporting him. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, if I would entirely agree with that statement, just because Colton Underwood, and in, in my eyes, is a very is a more uh, palatable gay man. Um, I feel like he could, he could, he. Of course, like I, he he would get backlash from people who who are anti-gay and homophobic, but I feel like because he is so like acceptable for like mainstream kind of like of like what we think of like he's not like too gay, he's not too sexual, like he's a fucking virgin first of all, like he is allegedly he's very like straight passing. I mean, he tricked all of us. Like he, he is not very forward with his sexuality. Uh, he's white. Um, I feel like he, even if the, the anti-gay people will both oppose Colton and Lil Nas X, I think that Colton has a much easier time being gay and they are both kind of sort of similar in the in in the same industry and in the entertainment industry, um, mm -hmm. being in cameras and stuff. But there is something more palatable about Colton in our society than Lonas X. The way he dresses, the way he talks, the way he acts, completely more acceptable than uh, for like our normative society and in, in in comparison to Lonas X. Well, honestly, if we actually expand the scope of the situation to a broader view, taking in history and whatnot, Little Nas X isn't less palatable. He's just black. And the reason I say that is because too many times, it, I mean, look back to the 80s, look back to the 70s and 60s, we've had gay icons who were white who dressed and acted just as flamboyant, if not more extravagant than him, and they accepted it. They might not have liked it, but they accepted it. But the, I mean, Little Nas X is the first gay black man I have witnessed on mainstream media to be able to express himself so colorfully, so vibrantly, so daringly, so um, flamboyantly, and he's getting hate for it. But we look at David Bowie, um, what was his name? Elton John. Um, Harry Styles. Harry Styles. You know, from past to present. I mean, the 80s and 70s were less tolerant than we are, but they were able to tolerate queer men who were white, who were flamboyant. But the moment in the 21st century that this black man decides to show he's queer in his visual and in, uh, like, label... It's like instant rejection. And that's what kind of has me baffled. This is cognitive dissonance right here. I feel like, like I feel like I, and let me like, I guess, let me, let me like correct myself about them being in the same industry because his industry, while they're both entertainment industries, because he is in more of the reality star kind of industry, that is a little bit more open to queerness. Whereas Lil Nas X, who's in both country and hip hop, the two most homophobic genres is also more, a lot more difficult 
um, for him as well. I guess that does make sense because in the past, the white flamboyant queer men that pop have music. been in music were in pop. Yeah. Which is definitely and has always been more forward pushing. Mm-hmm. But like, yes, Lil Nas is in hip hop, a kind of country. Um, his music is taken by the mass, like the majority of our like population. So in that same thought, he is technically pop also. He's not just niched um, like Eminem or Tupac or whoever the hell. <laughs> so, it, I don't know. It's definitely. Are you, you going to watch the show? Hell no. <laughs> I grew up in the early 2000s. I don't need to see another groundbreaking show about a white man. Josh, I'm looking at his pictures right now on uh, Google Images, and he, if he, if he continues to like dress and act the way that he does, I mean, he, it's pretty, pretty passing. Underwood. Yeah, I'm looking up myself. I mean, for real, he just looks like every other white man. Yeah. Which makes me, which, which begs the question again, why are we having this show about this basic-ass white man when there are plenty of more unique, special, different people? Like, he, he's basic. <laughs> like, what is so interesting about him? Because the fact that he was on The Bachelor and he was a fucking football player. Like I said, white mediocrity entertains the masses some way, somehow. And, like, his show is gonna, I guess, follow him, like, you know, becoming a gay man. But, like, I'm sure his experience will be uniquely white and mask. And accessible mm-hmm. and filled with resources that even, yeah, even normal absolutely. white gay men don't even have. Yeah. Like, it'd be different if it was a poor white gay man from, this, from like, Alabama trying to make his way. I would tolerate that more because it's more relatable but it, it, disabled. Yeah. But Jesus. I mean, we just had Love Simon. We don't need another oh, one. God, don't even get me started on that fucking show. I mean that movie. Oh, I mean it made me cry when I saw it, but when I went back and was like, you know what? It's very unrealistic. Very unrealistic. <laughs> so, but you know, I guess the gay community does deserve an unrealistic youthful love book as well i mean straight people have been doing it for decades for thousands of years i guess it's tolerable so they last... try to redeem themselves with love victor uh, don't mm, 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 mm. Kind of. so last question about colton yes would you have sex with him he wouldn't be the most exciting night but I'm a hoe. You would have I to teach him stuff because he's a virgin. Allegedly. <laughs> you don't think he's a virgin? I mean, they kept saying Elizabeth I was a virgin, but she clearly wasn't. Oh, my God. We can say things all we want. Oh, my God. 
But I have a hard time if that man identifies as gay that he didn't fool around with Lee sucking dick when he was in middle school. Josh. High school. <laughs> He's a gay man. Okay, I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say no. I would not have sex with him. Um... I don't he know. had to be some kind of king. He had to be like he had to bring something to the table. Yeah, he would have to bring something to the table. Like I'm looking at his body now. He, like he doesn't even have like a dad bot, so that's already out because I'm into dad bots. I I don't. He's not even like bulky muscle, like thick. Yeah, he's yeah. I I don't. No, I would say no. It it would be a no for me. I don't like the way his face looks either. His dick would have to be bigger than nine inches. But I can go ahead and guarantee you, but off the way he looks, it looks like his dick is small. Yeah, it's about six. And that's being that's not small. That's average, Josh. Oh, it's been a while since I've... <laughs> you know what? I, I saw your TikTok comment about that guy who was talking about if you put like 10 men in a room, the only like, there would be like a 0.04% chance that they would have an <laughs> 11 inch dick. And then... <laughs> that the average dick is literally five to six inches and you were like oh honey you're just in the wrong spot did you see my comment my reply i replied i didn't I know you commented i didn't I know replied, you know it i said you're disgusting <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot I, stand, I cannot stand the fact that you are out here taking these 10 to 12 inch cocks i can't i i I rebuke it in the name of Jesus because that is that's no why. I just like how it makes me feel filled and, and these men with small dicks like you don't feel like it's ripping you but they don't hit my prostate so I really don't, don't feel, feel like it's ripping you apart. No, Josh, if you got to take eleven inches to fill your prostate, your prostate might be in the wrong spot. No, it's in the right spot. It's just men with small dicks don't know how to use their dicks. There's a. I'm not saying that's for all men with small dicks, but in this area in Alabama, when a man has a smaller dick, they don't really try to learn how to fuck people, specifically like bigger people. So they're never hitting anything to please me. And all the men that I've been with, which have been conveniently black and all bald, those are weird correlations, but oh. <laughs> like they specialized in fucking bigger people. And they knew how to make me feel pleasured while also me feeling like they took my ass over. And I kind of disliked it. Do you hear that? Oh. It's a black brew. Um, if you are black and bald, then you specialize in the Josh, you're, you're, you're Josh's type. They're not necessarily my type. That's just the only type that's interested in me. Okay, Josh <laughs> specializes in fucking black bald men. Not by choice. But it's honest work. It's honest work. Oh, my God. Okay, well, Josh, I don't think you're going to have fun having sex with Colton, then, because he looks like he has an average dick, and that's probably about five to six inches. So. And if he's a virgin, he don't know how to hit it. Well, I guess that's a no, Colton. We, neither of us would have sex with you. Um, so that... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. To know. That, that concludes this episode of Black Brew. <laughs> Please uh, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Black Brew Podcast. Email us stuff at podcastttime1 at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, our next episode will be um, our, you know, 
miscellaneous phone conversation topic where we don't even have a chosen topic. So be sure to listen to that because it'll be probably fucking crazy. Absolutely. Um, Also, I want to add, um, regardless if you're bald or not, black or not, um, if you're interested to test my limits, my Snapchat. This is not Tinder. My Snapchat (laughs) is StarFragment123. Hit me up. Send me a message. We'll see what you can do. Uh, uh. Ladies, this is man, men exclusive. That was just misogynistic, but okay. But well, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> but trans men, feel free to message also. If you find, you find, baby. Okay, we here. We're here for that. Um, I, I mean, my handle is at artistsky1. So if you want your cock sucked, then. We'll see you next week. He's real good at it. We'll see you. Wait, what'd you say? I hear he's real good at it. Well, I'm very good at it. It's my favorite thing to do. Okay, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.